Hey hockey fans, welcome to another episode of the Founding Four podcast. I bring you my conversation with Anya Packer, the executive director of the NWHL Players Association. The NWHLPA um, is going through a few changes, as is the National Women's Hockey League, the NWHL. And that is because there is a governance restructure. And I have to admit, not being in sports business, (laughs) it has taken me a few goes at the press release that we received. I suppose this would have been Monday um, to really understand what the restructure and what the announcement was trying to tell us. But that's why I called on Anya Packer because I knew she'd be able to break it down. Um, But particularly, I was interested in learning what this new restructure meant for the PA. The things that you negotiated in the old way will transfer over to the new way. And so Anya is going to break that down for all of us in this conversation. And I, I think that it's also important to understand what changes that means uh, in the immediate and in the, the intermediate and long term for the Players Association. So in, in her Anya way, um, which is very passionately and thoughtfully and succinctly, in my opinion, uh, she was able to really break that down for me. So I'm feeling better about it. I'm understanding it a little bit more, and I hope you will as well. If you're not already following, we are at Founding4Pod on Twitter. And of course, you can follow me at elindsay 8 But for now, I send you to my conversation with Anya Packer, Executive Director of the NWHLPA. All right. Once again, I am with Anya Packer, new mom, executive director of, I know it's, that's like a thing. That's like, we have to do that now. That's like a, a, okay, actually we're going to start there. We're going to start there. New mom. What are, what are the thoughts? Are we sleeping? Like how are, how are we doing? (laughs) High level overview of motherhood. Right. Right. Goodness. So he is such a peaceful child when he's quiet and all the other times, no, he's actually really good. I'm shocked, but it's actually really funny because Madison loves kids. So when we're like going through this or like he starts to fuss and I see my wife like pick up a baby and like coo it. And then I realize it's our child. I get this whole like whirlwind where I'm like, you're an aggressor actually. You're very like, rough and tumble and then she picks up the baby and she's like speaking baby talk to him like who are you baby whisper i need more people to see this side of you because people will think you're so nice now she's like don't post when i'm holding the baby people are gonna think i'm too soft so it's good (laughs) he sleeps fine he's very chill he's sleeping right now so he's letting us do this he's very understanding of our super feminist life Love it. Doesn't interrupt anything. Yeah, doesn't interrupt anything hockey related or like regular work. Oh yeah, he's a mess. Right now he's so sweet. It's like it's like Way knows. Yeah, he knows. He be knowing. He knows. Okay, so this is a pressing question. Want to make sure we get it on the record. We have Mad Pack. We have A Pack. 
What are we now we need them? it. We need it. Yeah. What are we need it? We need a nickname. Oh, well, we call him Way. Okay. Waypack. Wayway. I call him Wayway because that's cute. Wayway. I put him in like a hoodie outfit. We have them like we have lots of matching sweatsuits because we couldn't buy him like normal baby clothes, like you know the cute little onesie thing. No, that's not what he has. He has like a hoodie, a t-shirt kicks and rocking like a three-piecer yeah like he's insane and so like if he ever spits up i'm like ah oh, this is a long change now but he's super <laughs> chill but so we call him Weiwei. so i'll call Weiwei is a good one okay we're gonna go with Weiwei. all right Weiwei. there it is there all is. right pressing questions and and we're done that's, that, that's it that's all now um of course we wanted to get you on because there has been a bit of news. Uh, well, there's been a lot of news actually, but the news that impacts the NWHLPA. I'm like, what is the acronym that I'm going? Because yeah. you got the NWSL hoodie. I'm wearing a WNBA hoodie. Like, what are what are the acronyms? No, the NWHLPA, and that is that there is a restructure happening, and Danny Ryland is taking on a new role. Yes, and that means that there's an interim commissioner. So Anya, again, we'll take it like big level. Like, what does this exactly mean? What does this news mean for Danny? What does it mean for the league? And of course, what does it mean for the PA? Yes. So first and foremost, we're super excited because we've restructured into a governance model. So we've started going the way of most professional sports leagues. We've kind of gone away from the MLS structure that we formerly were, which is league ownership of all clubs, started to sell some clubs. And then in that instance, we now have the clubs owning part of the league. So we've gone to just a pure governance model, which is tremendous. We have Ty Tamini has stepped up. She's now the interim commissioner. She comes to us with a you know well bank of knowledge from baseball to uh, marketing to sponsorship sales to all these cool innovative ways that she's now looking at women's hockey, which is very exciting because you know I like to get into somebody else's brain and learn as myself. Um, and then what that means for Danny is she's now taken on the parent company that owns the Riveters, the Buttes, the Whitecaps, and Connecticut. So she will still have that ownership in the league with those four clubs. Her new job is basically to find people to buy those teams, which was part of what I would call a thousand jobs that she formerly had. So in this restructure, we've done a lot of um, figuring out what roles and functions perform best. She's such a great seller of the league. She's obviously the founder. She's put so much life and blood and honestly taken so much on the chin for the growth of this league that it doesn't make sense to have anyone else try to sell those clubs but her because they're hers and they're her babies and she's done so much to grow them to what they are. So my work with Danny changes a little bit because she's now only focused on four of our six. So that's been uh, sad for me on a personal side, but I'm so excited for her. And, and honestly, we're all indebted to her hard work and her resilience to be where we are today. Now, in the highest level, what that means for the players is there's now going to be increased ownership throughout the league. And as we see that, we watch people with money come in and get competitive, which means player benefits go up which means the idea of having a conversation around a CBA starts to increase. These new ideologies that we formerly weren't having because we were single owned is all changing and that's all restructuring. And so for us on the player side and the PA side, 
it kind of forces us to grow rapidly and to also restructure ourselves. So it's been a, a really busy time, but it's super exciting because it adds a level of uh, increased professionalism that we were striving for. And now we're, we're reaching and obtaining and continuing to climb those ladders. And so on the player side, this is also a win. And with a new face as the head of the, the league and, and a new commissioner, obviously, new eyes see new problems in different ways. And that's a good thing for women's hockey because we need to constantly evolve and, and increase and grow. And I think that Ty does a really good job at that scale. So I think in entirety, the net net is everybody is winning. Uh, it's definitely bittersweet, but it's a whole new day for the NWHLPA. Wow, that's really exciting. And I'm hoping to get Ty on next week. And so our listeners will be able to hear her kind of talk about what that means for the league. Um, might still ask you a few league questions yeah. just to, to get a baseline. But I do want to focus on what this means for the PA. Because you and I have spoken about the PA, obviously, since be even before you took on this role while you were still playing. <laughs> day and one. Rep yourself. <laughs> day one. A1, day one. <laughs> um, but um, you and I have had conversations. And I think the last one was at All-Star Weekend, like sitting in the, the a side locker room um, and asking if you know, going the way of a, of a union and, and you mentioned a CBA and doing some of that was kind of on, on that infamous whiteboard that I always like to talk about. And it sounds as though, you know, with, with uh, this restructuring at the league level, like you said, that there are some things that the PA is going to have to maybe, um, you know, progress as far as um, getting to that timeline a little bit sooner. So as it stands today, um, it's been a few days since the news now, uh, you know, what are the top things on that on that whiteboard and on the list to get the PA in a good position um, to still do all of the things that you want to be able to do for the players? We're going to get back to my recent interview with Anya Packer in just a minute, but I wanted to take a break to let you know about Sports Talk with Erica Lindsay Ayala on Patreon. The Founding Four podcast has been a labor of love by myself and originally Mike Murphy, who was my co-host. Uh, back in 2017, I believe, we started the Founding Four podcast, and I recently released that first episode. And it's been quite the journey since then. But the Founding Four podcast is an independent podcast, a labor of love, but I am able to run this podcast because of my Patreon posse, as I like to call them. If you want to support this podcast, the Founding Four podcast, as well as what I do for social justice in women's sports, which started as social justice in women's hockey, then head over to the Sports Talk with ELA Patreon and become a member. I will leave a link in the description, and of course, you can always find all of that information on all of my social media outlets. It's at elindsay everywhere, elindsay08 everywhere, and of course, you can also follow sports underscore talk underscore ELA on Instagram, and there's also a Facebook page, so that's where you can find all of my coverage, including all of my women's hockey coverage. So thanks for listening consider becoming 
a member of the Patreon posse of the squad that helps keep this podcast alive. And I got some new Founding Four Pod stickers, so those will be going out to Patreon members only. Check it out. All right, back to my interview with Anya Packer. Yeah, obviously, you know, my top three lines on the whiteboard is livable wage, increased benefits, and making sure our players have that, that air of professionalism. So when I think about what will naturally progress without our work, I think a lot of those things are already going to start taking major steps forward. With our 50-50 red share, with the way that the, the deals are structured, with the way that the sales of the teams are happening, you know, these things are all going to just naturally progress the league forward, which is great. So I would say my top three are all trending in the right direction. Now, where we go from here and where I think that the PA has to has to evolve is now identifying ourselves and creating structure internally. A lot of what we could do when we were wholly owned in a single group is on good faith conversations. You know, you had the function to say, this one person is working with this one person and we are negotiating terms on a year by year basis. Now, when you have, you know, knock on wood, six owners of six clubs immediately, or, you know, in the next 18 months, you don't have the function to have these one-off negotiations each time you need to have a, a conversation. So we now need to start looking at a CBA. We now need to start looking at unionization because it helps both sides. If we are a union, there's obviously a difference in how we are able to negotiate, what we're able to ask for, what, you know, who, where our likeness stands, who has the ownership of what piece of these players' lives. I mean, all of that is important, right? But then on the other side, there's so many wins for the ownership group if we are part of a union. It helps with antitrust laws. It helps with identifying rules. And it helps with identifying bylaws and, and keeping uniformity and, and knowing exactly where these lines are in the sand. So I think for us, it's now learning about creating that single structure so that we do stand on our own. When the league was a single group, we didn't have to really dive into that we could fight our battles every single year in the off season and fight for a single contract instead of more broadband worrying about terms and, and you know I, I mentioned likeness but who owns the player on the ice and who owns them off the ice and what does twitch have to do with that and what does social have to do with that and what part of their social is owned by the league or the teams or the players and what part of their identity can they go licensed to somebody else or, or what have you. So there's so many, not issues because they're exciting and it's advancements nonetheless, but there's so many things that come up here now because if each team is singularly owned, there's six people that have an interest in what that contract says. Okay. So there are a few things that you said that I want to, I want to pause for the cause and really dig a little bit deeper into what you were talking about as far as the things that could be beneficial as far as going the way of a CBA or a union for the players, but also for the owners. And I want to stop there for a minute because I, I get the impression that in sports, uh, regardless of the sport, um, that we see a lot of times there's contention between ownership groups and the league and then the league and the, the union, certainly when it comes to CBA time. Sure. Um, but it sounds as though for right now, at least that there are potentially some opportunities across the board 
Um, and I wonder how much of that is because of the, the former structure, how much of that is because of the, the new structure that you have? Like, where do you kind of see where the relationship is now and, and why um, perhaps you're in a unique position to really build out that, that uh, future CBA union partnership uh, a little bit differently than most sports fans might think of it? Certainly. And I think that contention between the union and the league is always what we've viewed, right? Because we haven't for a long time watched a league create a union. That's been so far in the past. And, you know, we talked about it about something else, but now with social and the way news is just constantly flowing to people, we never had these conversations back when the NFL was unionizing, when the NHL was unionizing, when they were going through these processes, because it was before we had, you know, information at the click of a button. So part of it also comes with just the idea that we are partners in success. I feel that way about the league and the union always, because if the league is performing well, then the union is performing well. If the players are performing well, then the league is getting the money back. And, you know, it is a symbiotic relationship. So for us in this current climate, we are able to figure out their needs and their vulnerabilities and their legal vulnerabilities and solve a lot of those by unionizing. Formerly with the employer-employee relationship with a single-owned league, we had a lot of benefit to that. Now as that rolls out and maybe say every team is now Connecticut Whale LLC, Metropolitan Rivers LLC, all owned by different groups, it's very challenging to assume that all ownership groups are going to either A, follow those laws properly um, and not make those missteps, even by accident, right? Or that they're all going to agree to the same per diem or they're all going to value training in the same way that they value locker room structure in the same way that they value healthcare and childcare for those mothers that we have. So there's a lot of things, you know, Connecticut Whale has no players with children. Now, Metropolitan has one and the Whitecaps have a handful and there are, you know, the Buttes went through that last year. That's a topic that might not land every ownership group, right? So that's part of what we have to start looking at is in our negotiations and in, in each of those instances, does solving the problem for Metropolitan who has a mother today help Boston tomorrow? Yes. And that's helpful to everybody if there's already a rule set in place and we're not backtracking to figure out the answer. So it's a long way to say there's a lot of problems when you are just an employee-employer relationship in the interest of athletes and ownership that need to be solved for today that provide everybody less of a headache. And then the contention comes in when we say we want more money or we want this new benefit or whatever it may be that's outside of a business person that's going to always think about the business. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're yeah. not there yet to have the establishment for us to then reach over and ask for more things in those business plans. We're not even there yet, mm -hmm. which is good because it gives us the benefit of, of having a reason to come to the table and both sides having that reason and sharing that reason. And then when we do come to the table, being able to start asking for more and better. So I yeah. think a lot of it comes from the fact that we've not had to see anyone unionize recently. Mm -hmm. You know, we watched the NWSL go through the CBA process without being a union. Right. That has a whole wrinkle of problems or challenges. I say problems. That's not what I mean. Challenges. 
And then as people look to unionize, both sides of the fence can see, okay, there is, there is a cause for this. There is a why. There is a need. And then once we get to that need, there's whole teams and whole leagues that say you cannot ununionize. Like you cannot disband your union. Like the NFL is mm-hmm. like, you can't disband your union. And that's a, that's a prerequisite for their CBA because mm-hmm. the union does provide the owners so much umbrella and so much support. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm glad you broke that down. And it, it does make a lot of sense, especially with where the NWHL is. Um, but with that, I would imagine that there will be eventually some give and take. For sure. Um, but it sounds like right now that that 50-50 rev share is still in place for players. Correct. Um, and I would imagine that's something that, that you personally would, would love to see <laughs> continue moving forward. Yes. There's some things that I can, I can, I would say I would negotiate to get more and better that one at this stage of women's hockey, unless we saw a major and dramatic increase in salary cap would not be one of those things because the reason that we established it in the first place was that the players grow at the scale of the business which is also why we negotiated in year to year because imagine we have a 10 year deal and in 10 years, the league is profitable to a clip of 10 times, a hundred times multiplier than year one of the negotiation. That's, we can't afford that. Like our players would be able to scale their salaries so much. So, so a lot of it also has to do with what that scale looks like. You know, I, I said a bunch last year, if we didn't, have that 50 50 rev share and we were just told okay the you know salary cap is increasing by 50 percent when we talk about the numbers at which women's hockey is at i would have said no mm-hmm. and we would have stepped away from the table but that revenue share increased our salaries by 30 percent last year so it was a gamble right you risk closing zero deals but I knew that that wasn't going to happen. And then the PA was then included on every single sponsorship conversation. We have sponsorships that we have companies that will say, Hey, this is what we want for this category. And it will get forwarded to our PA. And they're like, no. And that's power because we're equal in that negotiation process. And I think that that's super important unless they said, Hey, the salary cap's going to be $700,000 per team. I don't know if I would give that up. Maybe not right. 700K. I'd probably take a different number, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it would need to be something dramatic to remove that, that pretty firm investment that says, if you grow, we grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's definitely interesting because again, we've seen other leagues kind of work toward that or even beyond now what, the NWHL is able to, or NWHLPA and the league were able to negotiate. So definitely going to keep my eye on that one. But there's something else that you mentioned, um, likeness. And, you know, we kind of were teasing earlier, uh, you know, we've, we've got this strong crossover vibe happening right now. We're both wearing our, our sweats. Uh, and, but that, that brings me to likeness. Right. Um, and we, we see that there are different uh, PAs, uh, including the WMB PA, uh, that they're able to now uh, negotiate with Breaking Tea uh, and different other different companies that's specifically coming to the PA. Um, and in talking with Terry Jackson, some of that is structurally there are things that a league can't and probably shouldn't do. Right. Um, but that's a little bit different. Uh, 
for where the NWHL and the NWHLPA sits right now. But, you know, long term, what would you like to see when it comes to likeness or even being able to funnel some sales directly to the PA um, and thus to the players? Correct. Yes. Right now, our jerseys, our jerseys, all of that goes through the league. That's not the same structure for every league. And far be it from me to be like, oh, this is how it should be. Because part of it for our ideology is if someone's going to give one click to women's hockey, it's probably going to be to the league. It's probably not yet going to be to the PA. So would it make more sense for us to sell your jersey or for the league to sell your jersey? And at this point, the answer has always been for the league, which is good for them. It's good for us and our players get 15%. So we've had all the negotiations to pay for their likeness, but we aren't receiving a payment to the PA for the rights to sell those shirts, right? So there's a little bit of a communication gap. The mm-hmm. players are getting their likeness paid out, great. And the league is creating those sales, great. There's a missing link here where the PA gets paid. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is because we haven't defined ownership of likeness. Now, that means if I want to go create a general licensing agreement with the PA and sell that likeness to breaking tea for the really sweet, like fun, creative shirts that they put out or to um, pop dolls, you know, those dolls that with the big heads. So that for example, or like a lot of women's sports main asset is the apparel side of it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, at scale it's, it's buying a shirt that has Madison Packer's face on it or buying a shirt that has the Buttes logo and the Kersey's name on the back. You know, a lot of that is, you know, that's partly league and that's partly players and that's partly PA. So we've not found out the magic or the secret sauce there into, you know, what we should be looking for. Um, That would certainly help on the PA's operating budget if we started to include things like that. Right now we operate on a a robust budget of nothing. (laughs) which we should always fight for more and better. But, you know, our lawyers are, you know, pro bono and they're delightful. And um, all of us put in our time and energy to just kind of grow and scale because we haven't felt like taking dues or trying to, um, you know, create that extra layer or that extra click or deals with the PA is exactly where we want it to be at because a deal that goes to the league head office pays our players. So it kind of was this, this, unclear direction or pathway that we've now started to fine tune or have those conversations or educate ourselves a bit further. Um, And now this new structure is going to force us to make those changes and make them quickly. But again, that's a good problem to have. Hey there again, wanted to take a little bit of a break here because Anya's talking about something that I think is really fascinating. And that of course is licensing and likeness and name and image and the rights to those types of things. As you can hear, Anya and the NWHLPA might not be there yet, but it's certainly something that is on her radar. But if you want to see a model um, or what can happen with uh, name, likeness, image, etc., check out Lindsay Gibbs on Power Plays. She recently uh, put out an article, had some insider information from Breaking Tea about Breaking Tea, who has uh, a license agreement with the WNBPA. Breaking Tea was able to usher 
a contract with Dick's Sporting Goods. And so now the Bet on Women WNBPA shirt, which is separate from the WNBA, but and so that those those um sales, that revenue goes directly to players, those shirts, those bet on women shirts will be in Dick Sporting Goods stores across the country. Um, I I understand it's going to be 100 markets. There's still a few things that need to be sorted out um, from when I spoke to the WMBPA, but check out Lindsay Gibbs um, for power plays. The link will be in the description, and I just wanted to offer that as an example um, because the WMBPA and um, and the WNBA players, of course, are in a lot of ways the model for other sports. But it's taken almost 25 seasons for them to get there. So uh, some work ahead for Anya, but it seems as though the NWHLPA has all of that on their mind. And perhaps the new governing structure will allow for some of that to happen even uh, more rapidly than anticipated under the former, as Anya called it, MLS governing structure where the league owned everything as opposed to owners. All right, back to my interview with Anya Packer. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I, I, I have found this very, very helpful. Um, I think there will be people who want to get a little bit more clarity as far as, you know, again, how this restructure will impact the PA. And again, hopefully we'll get Ty to talk about how it impacts the league. But if you had to guess from your vantage point as obviously the director, but also as the spouse of someone who is a player in the league, um, you know, what would you say to, to fans that have been A1 day ones, right? Or maybe those who uh, just love that you are such a huge Connecticut uh, Sun fan and and are now following the league. Like, uh, what would you say to to fans to just as as a summary of what this move means for women's hockey? I think the biggest piece that we should all walk away from this and feel is empowered is knowing that when you restructure in this way, you go from growth and I would say steady growth to like a launch pad trajectory. When somebody comes in and looks at these problems, like I said, from a new vantage point with a new way to solve them, uh, you start to talk, talk about different things. You know, I want to try to figure out how to better our merch or to increase our marketing or to do all these things. And these are pie in the sky ideas that Ty has that she's got an action plan for which Danny had, but it's just a new problem. It's a new person looking at a new problem in a different way. So for our fans, what they should know is that our players are going to see rapid change and growth. And every single person just needs to hold on because if your favorite team is the Connecticut whale, you're a Connecticut sun crossover and you want to get involved and then they're privately owned. And then they start to get all these new benefits or these new rinks or these new gear and new merch. Like, this is going to blow up because each person is now going to have an individual investment or a refocused investment on the team at the team level. And when team level investments are made, the players start to hit this trajectory of growth of, you know, more and of better and of, you know, new ways to engage. And it's, it's more focused on the, on the micro level. When there's a single owner looking at six clubs and trying to figure out what works, community development falls off, not because they're not good and it's not important, but because 
The community is the United States or United States now Canada as well. The community now is Boston, is Toronto, is Connecticut, which I say Connecticut, but is, you know, mid to Southern Connecticut. Um, or, you know, maybe they make it to Uncastville for a couple of events. There's certainly things that we can do now on these micro levels that are going to really pop when it comes to fan engagement. And now more than ever before, fan engagement in women's sports is at its all-time high. It's absolutely crushing it. And it couldn't be more important because COVID disproportionately affects women in sports. So it's like this whole world where literally we'll go back to our sweatshirts as simple as getting sweatshirts in the hands of men that are posting on social that then blow up a product because people realize real recognizes real and it's cool. And then the women start to cross over and then all these different connections are being made. We start to see that, that again, it's disproportionate in what COVID is doing to people that want to give money to female athletes sponsors that want to get involved with women's sports, which is already nil. And then even further, they go, well, also you're women. So if we're going to roll it back, you're the first on the block. But all these different things eventually roll into the fact that our fans are our lifeblood. When you can say NBA finals are down by this, WNBA is reaching 68% growth in viewership. Maybe those numbers aren't even comparable to what they actually are, but it's still a down market to a climbing market. And it at least helps when you walk into the room in a business meeting, get more clout and get more respect. So this structure, this change gets us closer to that. And our fans are the reason and the only way that we continue on the launch pad. So, you know, it's kind of a, a long answer, but this new structure is going to breathe more life into the communities that these teams serve and each one of our fans and whether they're new or a ones or just found us on Twitch or didn't even know about us until this conversation right here. Um, those people are, they're what sells us. The product on the ice is fantastic, but those eyes on our players and product is it's what we all you know work so hard for. I love it. I love it. You know, I love a strong crossover. So I'm here for these vibes. Some CT sun, CT whale. We've, we've seen, if you will, an organic whale sun crossover. That was nice. for the Twitch uh, viewers. You know, we love that word organic. Um, but so, yeah, I'm excited for this. I'm glad you broke it down. I absolutely love what's happening. But we have one more most pressing question. Now, there's been a lot of changes. I alluded to that. We've talked about a few of them specifically with the restructure. But also, there's a change in jersey makers for this season. So, most pressing question. Does that mean that country flags will return to the unis? So, I don't know. We've also added home and away jerseys, which doesn't seem like the world's biggest change. But it is. It's humongous. And now with six teams, we now have enough colors and we have enough crossover colors that we were like, we're going to do home and away jerseys, which I live for the because best. I live for the designs. Like I want to see more jersey designs. So take, take all our money. Jersey designs coming in. Yeah, take my money. I'm, I'm like, I've already bought four Obviously. for the baby, which is heinous. Why? Why have I done that? 
I don't know, but <laughs> I love um, it. I've done stuff like that. Okay. So I think, I think patches are not going back. I think, I think they're not, I think we have our season patch and worked. And if I, if I'm being honest, if we could sell that space to a sponsor, Jersey hey uh, flags are gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. No, I don't yeah. think they're coming back, but I really thought they were cool. And I think now more than ever, I always love like when I see someone on Twitter, break it down. Like these are where all the countries where everyone's from. Cause you forget the, forget how helpful the Jersey patch was in knowing just how diverse the rosters were mm-hmm. or how not diverse some of them were. And I'm like, you guys are this or that. <laughs> and I'm like, come on. But I played with like a, a handful of Russians and I would always be like, Oh, you have the same Russian style that Katerina has or that, you know, this and that. And so um, I think it's pretty funny, but no, I don't, I don't think they're coming back. I think they should though. They're sweet. They were pretty sweet. They were pretty sweet. All right. Well, I had to ask pressing questions for for the OG fans. They they know what's yeah. Up. Everyone everyone all of our new fans are like what yeah. What's this? It's a thing. I think there's going to be some fun stuff going on with the jerseys this year. I think um, you know a lot of the the other side of of what's going on is very serious, and I think there's a lot of attention that we all need to be paying to um, what jerseys look like, what messages we're sending with those jerseys, and how to accommodate conversation through what we're wearing and whether that's shirts or hoodies or, you know, changing the the texture of the hair in our, our t-shirt um, collection. I think there's a lot of things that, that we can make a real impact on with fashion. Um, and I think that jerseys kind of fall into that. So no, there aren't going to be flags, but I think it's important to note that, those are a great place for us to represent ourselves and represent how we feel and represent what we believe in. Um, so that's another thing that, that we should keep on the horizon and a conversation we should keep alive. Oh, love it. Love that. You know, I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> Terry Jackson walked me through uh, all of the different shirts uh, that were in the wobble that came specifically uh, from the players and or the PA. And it was just fantastic so it's so important it is and it's and it's such an important way to have involuntary conversations and and you know we say like our players aren't billboards right like when we don't want them head to toe in branding but when they're head to toe in in messages like vote or um you know say her name or literally women's names you know and i think naomi osaka said it the best way Someone said, you know, what does that mean to you? And she's like, what does it mean to you? Like, I know what it means to me, but what kind of conversation are we starting here? And I think that the more we can be direct in the conversations that we would like to start, albeit they're challenging, in women's hockey, we have to be the change makers to start those conversations. So um, this is kind of a tangent that we weren't on, but it's important. And it's something that we haven't been approached with and we haven't stepped up in that way yet because hockey hasn't really started yet and it's something that we've we've really been listening to in the off season here so you know every single piece of what we do has has so much thought to it and i think that the wobble was literally the most beautiful culmination of action conversation and education i love it i absolutely love it um you know that 
I'm always here for these types of conversations. I absolutely love to see that uh, Ziara King, an exchange that she had with Soroya Tinker, uh, two people who, along with Satsu Sabali, I have said are like my all rookie, like woke team. Uh, yes. Just fantastic young women that I learn from every time I see them engage. So I'm really excited for that. Excited for the the new uh, shirts that the NWHL launched. And I mean, I'm not, I mean, you can say, you can answer the question that I'm not going to ask if you want to, but it sounded to me like, you know, hashtag Black Rosie, there's still a chance. There's still a chance. <laughs> Are we going for it? I think there's a lot of things, a lot of things that I want to see as we enter the season. And I think there's some things that we're stealing, not stealing, right? Because it's not, it's, it's emulating. I want to emulate a lot of the ideas that we've seen and I want to blow them up and I want to continue to, to support. And I think, I think that that's another thing that as we move away from a single ownership structure also becomes challenging because now you have gatekeepers in different directions. Doesn't matter what it is from LGBTQ problem, you know, support and pride and things of that nature. Not that any of that's going away in women's hockey, but it becomes a difference of how are you doing that in each market because the communities are all different. Mm. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on, but, um, but each one of these conversations of diversity and inclusion across the board now has attention from the PA. So formerly where it was, you know, the, you can play, which is branded from the, you can play team because we're partnered with them you can play rep. It's now much larger than that. It's diversity and inclusion and it's on the highest level. And it's how do you work that into staff conversations that are more than just like the players are woke. The staff needs to be. And is that a role that we then look to and say, you need to be on this call or that call, or you need to be educating these players or, um, you know, figuring out different, outside groups that can come in and educate our players because even the, the conversation that I've had with some of our former players, you know, I, I love Kalia Johnson. She's a, a, she was a former teammate of mine, but we had this conversation about microaggressions and I was like, I just don't know these things and it's complete ignorance. And it makes me challenge myself to learn and become a better ally. Mm. Cause if you don't know what you don't know, you're, it's not, haha, I was ignorant. It's you're ignorant. You're not helping. And, and by being ignorant, you're not absolved of your actions. You need to do better and educate yourself. And that's something that the PA has to be involved with as well, because that, those educational conversations could not be more important than they are today and every day going forward. Love it. Love the Kalia shout out. She's fantastic. Yes. Um, just love that. And really looking forward to continuing to have conversations with you and other people across the league about that. Um, because I will, I'll be uh, keeping my finger on the pulse. I do like a social justice uh, Thursdays for a women's basketball podcast. And obviously I started that YouTube series that we want to yes. kick up again. So definitely want to make this a part of my coverage of the NWHL moving forward and of course all of women's hockey but Anya remembered the most pressing question we got that and then some so we are going to uh let you go for this time but remember we want we want the outfits don't don't hold back baby way way way's gotta come with it yes I want to see the drip baby drip yeah for sure (laughs) I had to teach Maddie what the drip was 
he was like, is he dripping? Does he have the drip? Is it drip? Like what is the tense in which I use drip? I was like, no cap. And then I started talking about drip. She's like, what's cap? I was like, oh my gosh. You, my That's friend, hilarious. need to download TikTok and also educate That's yourself. Hilarious. But you know, if what? I'm telling her the lingo, we're fucking wrong. Oh, I can't swear in the podcast. Sorry, you got to bleep me. It's fine. I, I can do, I do what I want. I do what I want. I'll just put the God. E on it and it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what? We will forgive Mad Pack for that because in all actuality, Mad Pack brings the drip and it's almost better percent. that she doesn't even know what the drip Blissfully is. Blissfully unaware. But it's just like, I, I don't even know. Gosh, you should, I cannot wait till you see her suit game for the season. Game day outfits. I mean, in my head, like the the blazers are always popping. Oh. Always, always got the the well tailored pant with the ankle. Always. The the shoe That's game. That's a regular appointment. Just so you know, just, that's a regular appointment for her. She's like, I've been doing some squats. I got to go back to my guy. Like what? Yeah, I love what? it. Who I has a it. guy for the pants? She's like, I do. Mad pack. That's, you know, I, I respect that. That's, that's kind of old school, but fresh, but also fresh. Like, that's hard to do. Oh, man. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> Goodness. All right. Well, APAC, we'll call it a night on that. But thanks so much for joining the pod. Thanks. Anya Packer, folks, what more is there to say? I think we got a lot of great information about the current state of the NWHLPA and the league, as well as perhaps some things to expect down the future. I'm really glad I remembered my most pressing question. Of course, it wasn't truly pressing, uh, you know, being a, a bit facetious there, but um, doesn't sound like we're going to get the country patches and the flags back on the jerseys, but that opened up conversation to perhaps what the NWHLPA and the league hope to do to elevate some of the conversations that they have been having and certainly that places and people like the WMBPA have been leading when it comes to social injustice, thus elevating social justice within the sporting space. So uh, don't know what that's going to look like yet, but best believe that I will be bugging Anya about that also really enjoyed that Anya made some promises to share Weiwei. We've decided on that nickname. Uh, so we've got APAC, MADPAC, and Weiwei of the Packer family. Uh, we're going to get some Weiwei drip. Uh, I got to see a little sneak peek of the outfit because we were we were on a Zoom call. Um, and Baby Wei is pretty fresh. I'm not going to lie. But again, <laughs> Mad Pack as, as a personal tailor, which I'm also not surprised to hear. I absolutely loved that. Um, so I think we're, we're going to be good. But don't forget, folks, I have it on good information from Kaylee Fratkin that any, any swag, any drip that Anya herself has comes from, from Kaylee. We might have to do an update with Mad Pack and see if she now has influenced her wife in any way, but you know, I would always give Anya props for her jackets, and I love I love her game day jackets when she's at the rink. And now, and then I find out that Kaylee Fratkin was curating her wardrobe all this time. Uh, you know, 
the only time I've ever been disappointed in Anya Packer was when I found that out. Anyway, that's it for this episode of Founding 4Pod. If you'd like to see the video of this, Anya had a really nice backdrop, a little bit of a different setup than we've seen in the past, and I complimented her on that. Apparently, uh, compliments go to Madison for that as well. Anyway, check that out, Sports Talk ELA on YouTube. There is a link in the description. I mentioned I'm, I'm working with the league to get Ty on the podcast because I would like to offer the perspective of the league and to do a little bit more of a deep dive into what Danny Ryland's role will be, what Ty's new role will be, what is kind of the ideal timeline for when these other teams will be picked up by owners. Um, so, you know, I get the sense that there are some things that are moving fast and I get the sense that there are some owners that have already shown interest in some of the teams that are not currently um, owned. So that would be the Minnesota Whitecaps, the Metropolitan Riveters, the Connecticut Whale, and the Buffalo Buttes. Um, So three of the founding four, if you will. Um, But to announce this governing, this new governing model, I would have to imagine that, that there's at least some interest, if not for all four of the teams, for um, one or more of the teams in order to move to this new model. So hoping to get some of that for you all. But uh, remember, follow at Founding4, that's the numeral four, at Founding4Pod on Twitter and everything for this podcast and all of my sports media can be found on Sports Talk ELA. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. There is a Twitter account that I use that's mostly just articles or videos that I repost. And then, of course, you can follow me personally at elindsay08. Hoping to see you at an ice rink soon. We know the season will start in January, but until then, please stay safe, uh, stay happy and healthy, and if you want women's hockey news, stay locked in right here on the Founding Four Podcast. Mm -hmm.